0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, along with my co-host, Ed Carbajal. And on a weekly basis, we plan to bring you the biggest news and interviews in the world of combat sports. Ed, another week. How you doing, my man?
1: I'm good, man. Good. I'm uh, surviving here in Jersey. Happy to uh, be joined by one of my... Uh, colleagues in the MMA media business. Uh, he's actually a, a good friend of mine, too. We've worked events together. He covers uh, MMA for MMA Today News, Flow Combat, MMA Brazil, and uh, now Tapology now, right? Did I get them all, Nolan?
2: Got them all for now, man. Uh, the big four as of right now. I'm I'm excited to be here joining you. Uh, it's the first time that I've, I've got to do a podcast with you, so I'm excited to see you and your element here, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about uh, what, what we have on board tonight.
1: All right, the crispy, Krispy Kreme connoisseur himself, <laughs> Nolan King.
2: <laughs> I was waiting so. for that. I'm surprised we got <laughs> so far into the podcast without that coming. Up.
1: <laughs> I actually just told Matt this story before you came on. I, 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 he's like, "What's up with that?" So I was like, "I'll fill you in before he comes."
0: You were uh, right, though. You got to take him off the conveyor belt. <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt about that. that Jack Krispy Kreme. That's there's, a
2: fact. That's a fact. We got a rookie, mis- rookie over here making those type of mistakes.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah so anyway uh uh the contender series is starting soon and uh i usually actually i get all all of my info from most of your articles so where are you posting uh most of these days and and what's the latest that you can talk about now
2: yeah for sure so uh this actually coming starting tomorrow i'll be coming out with an interview series uh kind of a profile series on the fighters not just focused on the upcoming fight but also on their backstory so you can see those they'll start coming out on mma today um starting tomorrow um and then i also have my contender series guide up for mma today uh which has a list of an extensive list of all the fights um for the most part for the season there's still some slots that we don't know about but i mean if you go back and look even before the contender series started we we did a pretty good job of getting them all out there uh, before they were officially announced so uh, it's definitely one of the most extensive resources, I think, um, if I do say so myself, uh, about the Contender Series and, and the fights that are that are coming up. It's got all the fighter bios and um, you know all the fight announcements and in, in, in one spot. So even the Brazil ones. Um, nice. So definitely check that out. I'm I'm excited, man. This is like my favorite time of year. I, I love the Contender Series and uh, I'm excited.
0: This year, uh, what what is it? Eight weeks and then a Brazilian couple weeks or how does it break down this year
2: yeah yeah so it's eight weeks um there's kind of some talk about this this dark week uh, i guess they're doing you know it, it's uh there's three weeks and then it's off for a week the week of, of international fight week and there's some speculation as to exactly what's going on with that episode uh you know there, there were a handful of fights that were announced for that card um and then it seemed like all those fighters were notified that their boats got moved to different dates on the contender series. So not really sure what's going on with that, with that card, if it's still happening, if they just have different plans for it. Um, my idea was that they were probably going to try to do like a Dana White's looking for a fight episode with that one. Um, they're You know, the UFC website's calling it the dark week, um, not recorded. Uh, so it's got, we have three weeks, a week off for this dark week, apparently five more weeks, which brings us into August 7th. Um, and that's it for the American version. Uh, and then that first week in August, there'll be uh, twenty. I don't know. Let me think. Uh, Thirty fighters that are going to be from Brazil that are flown out to the U.S. to the Tough Gym to put on a Brazilian version uh, that's going to be pre-recorded. So uh, I won't be live. Um, it will be pre-recorded. Uh, it will air in Brazil, and then the replays will be available um, on UFC Fight Pass in the U.S. for everybody else that that um, you know wants to watch it. Uh, But that's that's kind of the breakdown of the the week by week uh, contender series.
0: I know the uh, you said during fight week right now, it's a dark week. Um, You said the fighters have been changed their schedule. If I would have just guessed um, in the past at the UFC Expos there, they've actually had a cage with live fights. I wonder if it's crossed their mind to have the contender series actually live during their their fan expo that, that weekend.
2: Yeah, that, that would be great, man. I mean, for me right now, it's all a bit of speculation. Uh, you know, there's one other thing that I'd heard that kind of clicked in my mind too. Would be uh, if it was featuring fighters from The Ultimate Fighter. Um, the last episode is supposed to air on the, the, that Wednesday, so a day after this dark episode. So there was some some somebody threw out the suggestion of oh maybe you know they're gonna they're gonna throw some of the guys from The Ultimate Fighter on this episode. They don't want us to know you know uh, which fighters are. Um, you know, the last episode, will still have a couple fights remaining, so they don't want us to ruin, they don't want to ruin those, but at the same time, they want to give some of these guys a second opportunity. There was a few injuries this season and things like that. So it's, it's all speculation right now. It's kind of up in the air. All I do know is that those fighters that were originally scheduled for that bout have been moved to a different event.
1: I feel like, uh, that week is always, uh, it's like a, a dangerous week to plan things. The last, was it the last three international fight weeks kind of fell apart and uh, it hasn't been what it was. I remember in 2015, they—I mean, the Fan Expo was so huge, and then they moved it to the Las Vegas Convention Center. It seemed bigger, but it wasn't as good. And then uh, Matt, you were there last year. I didn't get to go. It was the first year I didn't get to go, but uh, it wasn't. It was just a tent outside of the of the arena, right?
0: Yeah, last year was a joke. It was outside in 118 degree weather. Um, it was free for everybody, but uh, you know, I wasn't going to stand in line
1: four yeah, hours so- to
0: meet page in 120 degree weather
1: i would th- i would think <laughs> if they're going to try to sell tickets to anything or do anything but like you said if it's dark it's probably not a spectator thing that they're going to have people at but um anyway so uh nolan you were at you were uh you were at you in uh, new york last weekend for uh the ufc fight night Ta- uh, how was it man that was your first uh ufc event
2: it was man it, w- it was my first uh my first time getting credentialed for the ufc which was pretty exciting i think it was a good one for my first experience too uh you know, at first, I was going into it expecting, you know, to be um, to be one of a handful of people that were at the event for, you know, the media day, things like that. But you know, once I got there, there were only really four outlets for MMA that were covering um, this event, so I got plenty of time on my own to, to have my opportunities to ask questions, to get the content that I needed. So that was a little unexpected for me. You know, I was kind of expecting to to be able to take that step back and. Uh, kind of play it out and see what others how other professional people that have done this a million times how they act what kind of questions they ask what the tempo of their questions are Um, but I was kind of thrown right in there and I honestly think it worked out pretty well for me I was able to um, kind of land on my feet as they say and and it it was definitely a good experience good to to get to know some of the UFC staff and uh, turned out to be a pretty good card man as well Uh, I know on paper it was Maybe not the, you know, it's not, it's not the card that we have coming up this weekend, but it, yeah. it, it delivered, I thought overall for what it was.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, I always say those cards that people sleep on wind up being really good. I thought it was a really good If I actually have it playing in the background again right now. Um, but um, for us, because obviously with where it was and the guys like uh, uh, Nolan and I with the Northeast region, obviously that, that, that fight with Marlon Marais and Jimmy Rivera, I mean, uh, you know, they're both Jersey guys. They're both fighters that people in this region know pretty well. Um Did you get to see any of Marlon talked about a uh, uh, scrap afterwards? Did, were you around any of that or did you see any of that happen?
2: We didn't. Uh, I actually saw that on Twitter. I think uh one of the media members, maybe from MMA junkie or somebody like that, brought it up uh, right after Marlon had, had talked to us. So I'm not sure if it happened before he came in the room and we, you know, we were just, we had been talking to Gregory Gillespie. So maybe we, we missed it. Or if it happened, you know, right after he left, uh, talking to us, but I, I didn't see it until after he was, he was gone out of our sight.
1: Was, uh, was a tiger Shulman. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, Matt, but I have to ask because of the, of, of where it happened was uh tiger Shulman rolling deep for this event. Cause usually when Jimmy Rivera fights, it's like the, the entire school and all its affiliates follow him.
2: Yeah. I mean, there were definitely, there was definitely a big pop for him in the main event, Um, it was kind of hard to tell because, you know, usually it becomes more noticeable as the fight goes on, people get into it. Um, but the fight was only 17 seconds in Mariah's or 33 seconds in Marias one. Um, so it was a little bit more difficult to to maybe see what kind of presence, uh, he had there. Um, but yes, I did notice, you know, a handful of, of the Tiger Shulman's shirts and things like that. And Jimmy Rivera's shirt. So, uh, he's definitely, Tiger Shulman's definitely ingrained in that culture. And, um, you know, it, it, at a minimum, uh, Rivera was one of the more uh, backed fighters in, on that card.
0: Other than the main event being uh, such a quick finish, was there anything else that stood out that night for you? I mean, for me, I'd say the Gregor Gillespie fight as somebody who's not super familiar with him. I've seen the last couple of his fights, but, um, I mean, that was a dominant performance. Like, I mean, that was Khabib-level domination, uh, you know, at... Uh, in that fight. So anything else, uh, other than, I guess that, that stood out for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there were a couple, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call them breakthrough performances or what, but I think Sajara Eubanks on the prelims, uh, defeating Lauren Murphy. She showed that, uh, you know, the ultimate fighter, the the success that she was having wasn't any sort of fluke. It seemed like a pretty dominant performance on her part. Um, uh, still so young in the sport. And, and we talked about, I talked about this with some of the other media that was there is, you know, she, she's, She's great inside the cage, obviously, but she's also uh, a great um, athlete when it comes to her mentality. You know, she was talking to us, and you could just tell she was very developed on the mic. She was very smart in what she was saying, and I think she's somebody that the UFC could throw in there for a title fight and have no problem with her promoting it. Um, so, you know, she said she wanted the winner, Valentina Nico. That that seems to make sense. And uh, the, other, the other person that I thought was really impressive on the main card was uh, Julio Arce. I thought... Speaking of Tiger Shulman's, I thought he delivered. Didn't let Daniel Tamer get in, in his head. Uh, Tamer was posturing, kind of giving him a little headbutt at the weigh-ins. And is so composed. He's kind of a, the the uh, the dark horse of the Contender Series season one. Um, mm-hmm. He was a guy that won on the show and didn't get his contract. And now he's he's in the UFC two and zero two dominant performances against guys that uh you know were, were that he was supposed to have a competitive fight with. So uh, those are my two uh, my two standouts. Um, you know up-and-coming guys that I thought delivered on this card.
1: I might have mentioned it to you um, uh, when we worked, uh, when we covered Bellator stuff together, Nolan, but the reason I asked about the Tiger Shulman thing is because I think there's a whole chapter in uh, Jim Genio's book, Raw Combat, that talks about uh, the region, uh, the history of MMA and the region that you and I are in. Um, So that's why I asked because uh, they they always, I mean, even if you go to jiu-jitsu competition, if there's anybody doing submission stuff, there's always there's always a lot of them. I mean, and the the bond that they have is strong. So I was just uh, curious to see if 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 because obviously that finish, you know, they had a lot of faith in Jimmy Rivera, who's really good still. I mean, even with that loss, I mean, two guys of that caliber, that's kind of what I expect to happen either way. You know what I mean? But um, that's why I asked about it. I don't know if I I rec- ever recommended that book to either of you guys, but I'm I'm pretty sure I brought it up in in conversation before. But it's worth a read if you haven't read it.
0: Check that out. So I don't mean to backtrack too much, but as, as somebody who's been a fan of this sport for almost 25 years now, um, you're you're twenty 23 years old, right?
2: That, that's correct, yep.
0: So what what was it, uh, I mean, I, I don't get to talk to many people that were actually born when the sport already existed. Uh, what was it that caught your eye on the sport, and, and when did you know that this was something that you uh, wanted to be so heavily involved with?
2: So it was always kind of in the background for me, um, you know, growing up when I was really young, elementary school, I was in the, you know, into WWE, things like that. And they were on Spike TV. Um, so was the UFC. They used to, The UFC started out with the, uh, the advertising as real as it gets, kind of to, to not slight the WWE, but to try to bring people on. And, you know, I watched some of the, the, the Ultimate Fighter used to run, rerun marathons on the mornings of the tough finale, things like that. I can remember sitting at home watching, um, you know, certain <clears throat> certain episodes, uh, you know, like Tito and Ken that season, and Michael Bisping when he was on there, things like that. Um, but I didn't really get super, super, super into it until 2010. Um, it was the first time they were coming to the East to, to, to Boston, um, to, to the Northeast, and you know, I we'd always, me and my my family, my dad had always talked about. You know, oh, if they come here, we'll we'll have to go. Um, so you know, he, he kept his word and he bought his tickets. I was in. Uh, I must have been in middle school maybe and uh or, or early high school and we went and you know the, the months leading up to it I wanted to make sure I knew the fighters I was familiar so started playing the video games started watching you know the the, the fights that were taking place in the weeks leading up and I was just hooked man and then the, the expo came as well so it was just kind of like firing on all cylinders I feel like I got to know most of the UFC roster and um it was just all it was all uh, smooth sailing from there. I've never looked back and I've just thoroughly enjoyed the sport and, and seen it. You know, even in the eight years that I've been watching, I've seen it grow. I'm sure you guys, uh, you know, the more experienced, uh, you know, followers that you are, you, you can attest to this, but this sport evolves, man. And, and it's crazy to see just in the eight years I've been watching how, how far it's come.
0: That event, was that the uh, Couture
2: Tony card? Yes, it was. It was uh, UFC 118 August of 2010.
0: Yeah, no, I just, I, I like talking to, you know, younger people. I got a, a younger cousin who I take to the fights now, and um, his event first event was uh, 173, the Dillashaw uh, uh, Baral, the first time Dillashaw beat him. And, uh, you know, he's kind of hooked now, so I take him to a bunch of events. And it's just cool seeing, you know, where people jumped into the sport and, and I can't really imagine. I mean, I grew up watching the Lakers and, and the chargers and, you know, being in Southern California, just all the other sports. And then all of a sudden one day I wake up and I'm 15 years old and somebody hands me a UFC three VHS. And the mm-hmm. next thing you know, you know, all of a sudden your, your life changes. I just can't, I can't really imagine growing up and it always being there, but, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool to hear how that, how you got involved in that.
1: Um, yeah, it's always been, a. uh, a- I think I talked about it with with you Nolan the last time I saw you in Connecticut uh when I was t- when we were we had this conversation in private of how we got into it and um uh, I remember uh finding it hard to watch stuff and then obviously everyone cites the ultimate fighter for the growth of the sport as as far as like the initial boom and it just seems to keep booming um which I think I think that's why it's easier now for folks to watch in other promotions to to gain success outside of the UFC like I mean the I'm I'm covering the pro fight league thing uh, this week in Madison square garden. And uh, obviously they, they wouldn't ha- have the chance that they had if it wasn't for the su- success and the growth of the sport. But uh, one thing I got to say about Nolan too, I mean, as, as young as he is, I mean, he's super mature and, and he's well read on, uh, on obviously everything he writes about. He de- definitely does his homework. So that's why I, I appreciate you coming on, Nolan. Um, we're talking about the, uh, the ultimate fighter and uh, the contender series. Uh, I know that we all watch both, but uh, I was curious, be, because you break so much news on the Contender Series, do you like it better than the Ultimate Fighter? Do you think that could be an Ultimate Fighter replacement? Or uh, do you think they can both coexist still?
2: I mean, I, I, I think that they definitely both still could coexist. Um, I don't think that they will, unfortunately. I I really wouldn't. You know, having followed the Ultimate Fighter, and seen how many times Dana White was asked, you know, how much longer do you think that The Ultimate Fighter is going to to go on? And he's never said anything negative about The Ultimate Fighter. He's never said anything t- to make us believe that it's going to stop. But the last time that he was asked that question about you know the ESPN deal coming along and the fact that we didn't know what was going on with Tough, he really made it sound like that uh, the season that just had tryouts, Tough Twenty Eight, which is set to to wrap up in December. Uh, you really made it sound like that would be the end, um, barring some type of, you know, uh, saving some type of savior from from ESPN or UFC Fight Pass or something like that. So I think they could coexist. I think they've done so for the last, you know, it'll be two, uh, two overlapping years worth of, of content. But I think that Contender Series is kind of the future. Um, both, you know, so many fighters that I talk to don't enjoy going on the, the Ultimate Fighter. They don't enjoy the idea of it. Um, They kind of view it as an unrealistic experience, you know, being away from home, having to fight all these fights in a short period of time, being banged up, not with your team, not with a full training camp. Um, and, you know, to have, you could have three fights and then, you, you know, not even get a contract, a full contract, you know, you could have like a one-off type deal with them. And I think that that, that the contender series, you know, is complete opposite. You have a full training camp with your team, You go out there, you know what you're looking for, you know what the UFC is looking for, you know you have to perform. So I think just all around, and it seems like people are more people are on board with the Contender Series right now than the Ultimate Fighter. Like I like both of them, I enjoy them both. The more MMA programming for me, the better. But I know I'm in the minority on that one. So I I think Contender Contender Series is the future, um, unless you know, and and they could coexist if somebody comes in and saves tough, but it doesn't seem likely.
0: Yeah, the Ultimate Fighter, you know, when it first started, I, I found it to be more, you know, I was more interested in the stories, A, because I recognized some of the fighters from the promotions because there were so many less promotions around. Uh, guys like Bobby Southworth and Chris Liebman and Mike Swick, uh, Diego Sanchez, I, I saw him fighting on the Native reservation before the days of tough and stuff. And um you, so you kind of were more interested in the fighters. Now there's just so many fights, there's, it's almost overwhelming to even try to know some of these guys. So now when there's an ultimate fighter, I might recognize one or two names. I mean, I'm not as, uh, you know, I I watch a lot of the big shows, but as far as the smaller events now, it's harder for me to keep up with. Um, The contender is a night of what, five, six, eight fights. It's a, it's, it's what I, I mean, I'm to the point now where I just basically fast forward to the fights on tough. Um, If I see some drama unfolding, I'll, I'll hit play. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's just a rerun week after week after week of, of the exact same thing.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I I completely agree, man. I think that the contender series, like you just mentioned, uh, you know, that the pacing is a big thing, too. It seems like I was talking to one of the fighters today that's going to be on the card, uh, not this week, but next week. And he was saying, you know, it's got such a good reputation because it's about the fights, you know, and it's that's you go in there. There's no music. There's no really no crowd. I mean, there's five five guests for each fight or whatever but and and it's about the fights and it's not about the commercials there's five fights scheduled over an hour and 45 minute period uh you you know the UFC should 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 keep with this idea and not corrupt it and just uh keep plugging because I think they've got something good here
0: the pacing seems like it's become an issue lately um you know it's always been that way and maybe it's just that there's so many fights now like I was saying that you get kind of greedy and you're just not really wanting to sit there for 27 minutes waiting for the next bout to happen. Um, we had an event last weekend, the, uh, the bare knuckle, uh, fighting championship. I don't know if you caught that, but in, in about two hours and 45 minutes they got 10 fights in and uh, obviously it's, it's a different world than the UFC, but, uh, it kind of reminded me of some of the old school days where they just kind of fed out the fights or like, if you go to a King of the cage event or something like that, there's not a, not a lot of downtime in between. And, um, I did not know if you saw that event and if if you had any opinion on uh, what you you saw.
2: Yeah, man, I thought it it was great. Uh, I didn't see the whole thing. I kind of saw the highlights. I was sitting there, and I I was thinking, man, maybe I should order this. Maybe I should give it a shot. I didn't pull the trigger, and I feel like I'll be ordering their next event for sure. But I I went back, and I was able to see some of the highlights. I thought that Tony Lopez versus Joey Beltran fight was just everything that I love in, in a fight. Two guys that are known in the MMA world not necessarily for being the, the best fighters, but always bringing it, having heart, just that that toughness that um, you know that they bring to the cage and it showed there. That just seemed like they both were in their element. Um, and, and some of those knockouts were pretty crazy as well. So yeah. I, I can't complain, man. I, I think it's something that going forward, I talk, we're talking about coexisting. I, I hope that it's able to continue being a viable um, you know, promotion, and I, I hope that it can coexist with the UFC and Bellator and all the other MMA promotions.
0: Well, I know I've seen a lot of UFC fighters and other MMA fighters kind of hinting on Twitter and stuff that it's something they'd like to get into. And I don't know how that how that would work with the UFC contract currently. But um, I mean, I just I I train with my buddy Virgil Zwicker and um, I know they contacted him. Um, the day after the event and when I went to the gym last night, the very first thing he brought up was asked me if I watched it and said how much he'd be interested in something like that. So, you know, I told him, I thought he was crazy and he'd have hmm. to explain to the wife how he was going to do, you know, it's one thing to fight, uh, Alexander Emelianenko in Chechnya, but <laughs> to, to fight bare knuckle in, a, in an event these days, uh, definitely carries quite a uh, stigma with it.
1: Yeah. Heather Hardy even, uh, expressed interest the following was well, Sunday or Monday after it happened. And, uh, she, you can see the whole conversation on her Twitter. She asked her manager to like, you know, make make it happen, and he he kind of expressed like, "Why don't you just stick with the MMA and boxing?" But I do work for you, so I'll make some phone calls. But I mean, it's just like it seems like everybody wants to do it now. It was a uh, an event that was streaming on uh, well, Fight TV. It was on Fight TV, and and now it looks like everybody people can't wait for the next one, which is crazy because it's, it's bare knuckle boxing. It's pretty much like the original boxing the way they did back in in the cowboy days. So it's crazy how we make, we've gone full circle to banning it. And now it's, uh now it's here again, but um, yeah, it, it
0: kind of reminds me of the old, uh, you know, the original UFC days where it's something new that kind of came. I mean, it's old, but it's still new to the, to the, and Valley Tudo was going on for years and years and in, in, in Brazil and such, but it just seems like it's kind of the new thing. And, and people want to get a chance to do something uh a little different and experience it. And I mean, these, these people are fighters obviously anyway, and, risk their life and limb on a, you know, four times a year. Anyway, it seems like they really want to jump at the chance to get onto something new and, you know, be a part of something in the beginning. Uh, you know, much like the early martial artists kind of all wanting to jump in the UFC when they, when they saw that craziness going down.
1: Yeah. So uh, Nolan, I, I got a question for you. Uh, Cause you were the first one that I saw that talked about how they didn't show, they weren't doing the weigh-ins the way, the way they normally do in uh, this past weekend. Was that was that a New York move because uh, tomorrow like uh, the weigh-ins for PFL I've only been given the one time I'm used to having to go in the morning and then going for so was that like something New York did that they just didn't want any streaming because of all the craziness that happened in Brooklyn or, or did you get any wind of any information of why they they did that this past event
2: so so my understanding is they've done it a few times before with some of the smaller events I think that you know just the the size of the you know they're only there's less than 4,000 seats capacity in the arena. So I think the size of the event was the main factor in, in the, the fact that they didn't have a, a ceremonial way and they just had that early one with the square offs. Uh, the other times that I can think they've done it off the top of my head was Albany, which is another New York, obviously city. And then uh, Austin, Texas, I think was the other one. So I think they've done it a, a couple other times too. I can't put exactly where, but I think it was the size of the show that, necess- that was the, the issue, not necessarily the, uh, the fact that it was in New York.
1: Oh, okay
0: it, it I saw news this morning, I think it was maybe it was last night I, I get crossed up but uh, about Dana white talking about them eliminating the uh, the early weigh-ins um I always thought that was a commission rule is that is that per the uh per the promotion as far as you know or is that is that a commission rule that they'll try to get changed
2: that's a good question i, I believe that the UFC does have some say in that I'm not exactly sure you know that's a good question man I, I do know that dana from my understanding from the people that know a lot more about weight cutting than I do and, and the regulatory bodies that are uh, involved in the sport that there, it is within their capability to, to change the way in. I don't know if they work with commissions and the commissions give them a set of options of things to do or what, but I do know that the UFC does have that say to be able to, to make that move.
0: Cause I know Bellator basically followed suit and they, they use the same thing. Um, Do you know if PFL is using that uh, on Thursday or uh, I guess it would be tomorrow?
1: Yeah, that's why I mean, that's why I was asking, because uh, like I said, I'm used to having to go take a 5 a.m. train so I can get there on time for the weigh-ins in the morning. And I don't have to do that tomorrow. I asked a few people and all I got was, you know, be at the garden. You know, uh, they're going to open the doors for public at four o'clock. So I have to be there a little before that. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if it was just something because, you know, it's no secret. I mean. Nobody's shy about saying MMA in New York has been odd since it's the band's been lifted. So um, that's why I figured I'd ask because uh, the, the last New York event was the one that Nolan was at. But uh, speaking of which, uh, what was up with uh, Pulling Aguilar? Uh, just uh, did, I, I read something. They thought that she had some contagious digi- disease by looking at her. They didn't get her diagnosed. They just looked at her. and They kind of did the same thing to Max Holloway in Brooklyn. They said he didn't look good at, on cutting weight. So did, do you have any uh, any other info on that?
2: I don't. You know, it seems that she is told Ariel and told uh, some other reporters that she had chapped lips and that's why they wouldn't let her fight. The commission made it sound like she had something contagious. So I saw somebody, some outlet was saying they thought it was uh, some type of like fever sore or something like that. So uh, for me, I'm not really sure. I didn't hear anything additional than what was out there. Uh, we were actually in the back getting set up when um, a UFC official came in and said, we have one bout off tonight. We're not sure. We, or I'm not sure which one it is yet. I'll let you guys know as soon as I find out. So of course I flip up, you know, open slide open my phone and uh, Ariel had already had, had beat everybody to it by five minutes. Uh, yeah. We had asked if, if Jessica wanted to do kind of a scrum to try to clear things up or somebody from the commission and uh, the UFC, I think, believe, I believe that they told us that both of them, uh, you know, declined or were not available to talk. So Uh, it's a good question. I'm I'm sure she'll be, she'll have to do some interviews at some point for her next fight. And I guess we'll find out then.
1: Yeah. I
0: I know on the, uh, the MMA community.com, one of our previous guests, Matt Marsden, who's the uh, cut man for uh, Bellator. He uh, mentioned it. And I, I I hate to misspeak how he, he, I think he said it was like a, a, almost like a stress blister um, that, that comes around the lips. And he's seen, he's seen it probably six or seven times in his years working for Bellator. Um, I think he said it's basically non-contagious. It's just, um, it's something that, you know, millions of people in this, in this country, uh, you know, have or get, uh, when they're under heavy stress or, um, and he thinks it's from the weight cuts and, and just the stress of the fight. So it sounds to me like it was just an overreaction from the, uh, the commission. I, um, I don't think Jody Escobar would be, would be rushing to fight somebody who had a contagious disease around their mouth and um, I know that they were talking about trying to, to rebook that fight as soon as possible
1: yeah but meanwhile Kevin Lee fights Tony Ferguson with a huge patch of uh, ringworm on his chest which is more contagious and, and and it was really obvious so I don't know like I, again it, it, it's, it could be just New York uh, uh, stepping on eggshells because they're the sport is new to them and uh, I just find it odd I mean I don't know what do you guys think I feel like I mean it's not like the sport hasn't existed before the band was list, listed like you've seen it happen you've seen how other states regulated what's the what's I don't understand what the problem is there I mean I don't know if you guys have your own uh, personal opinion on it but I mean I'm kind of as somebody that's close by that was looking forward to covering events in the state um, I'm like disappointed with all this stuff it's almost embarrassing
2: yeah I, I think that I'll cut them a little bit of slack just because they are so new and but I do it's it's blatantly obvious that they're going a little bit overboard with their regulation. They're erring on the side of caution to ridiculousness. Uh, so I, I don't remember who said this. It was one of the cower brothers who managed from Front Row Management. I was on Ariel's show yesterday, and he was saying that you know he he knows they'll get it right eventually, but it's going to take some time. So I, I completely agree with him. I think we'll see yeah. them kind of you know uh, back off some of this crazier stuff that they're doing. Um, but I, I think that they'll still. Probably knowing New York and, and just the way that the whole thing's set up, I think that they'll end up being one of the uh, more harsh commissions that fighters have to fight for.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they're extremely cautious, um, as you're saying. You know, and I get that. Um, if something happens in New York, it's it's magnified, you know, times ten compared to happening in Oklahoma or something like that. Um, but you know, as somebody who travels to a lot of fights, it scares the hell out of me. Um, to fly cross country, to show up to New York for an event. I mean, I was at UFC 205 when uh cowboy and Gaslam got canceled the day of, or the, the you know, day of the weigh-ins. And um, I think the Bellator event actually went off pretty clean, but um, it's definitely a, a nerve wracking experience, especially when you're going to watch fighters. You know, if I were to fly out there to watch Khabib, somebody who's had trouble in the past making weight um, it, it's definitely nerve wracking
1: yeah, man, I was I was at UFC 200 when John Jones the John Jones thing happened, uh, when he was supposed to fight Daniel Cormier at, at the 200th event, and they told us it was like two days before at the Red Rock Casino at the at the fight pass party that they were having. Eric Winter sat down and was just like, "Yeah, we're about to get to deliver some bad news." And thank God I was drunk when he told me because I I would have handled it a lot worse than when he told me because I was kind of like, "Oh, we're here, you know I was still in Vegas, so that kind of took the edge off." But anyway, um. So UFC uh, 225 this weekend, uh, what do you got? What fights do you guys like? What, what do you think? What's, what's your, what, what are your predictions?
2: Oh, I like the whole card. This is one of the best cards we've had in a long time. Uh, you know, I think when, when 2018 ends, this will be one of the top three or four events uh, that we have circled in terms of uh, their significance as well as their excitement. Um, literally every, every fight on the card is interesting to me. I, I can't, I can't say that I, I'm not really looking forward to the co-main event between uh, Rafael Los Anjos and Colby Covington, um, both for entertainment value, for the, the back and forth. I'm sure that we'll hear this week, and as well, you know, to to see what Covington and RDA what where they're truly at. Um, they're the toughest test that they've each fought in this division, uh, and they're both, you know, they're, they're gonna they're gonna have that interim strap for whether whether or not I disagree, whether or not I agree with the fact that there's an interim strap made. There's a reason that one of the that they're gonna have it, and it's because they're uh you know, the best in the world. It's going to be the second, the second best in the world. So uh I'm looking forward to that fight. And then outside of the title fights, I think uh the, the main prelim Alistair Overeem versus Curtis Blades, that's a huge fight in the heavyweight division. No pun intended. Uh I think that's going to be a good one. And it's a, it's a huge opportunity for Curtis here where if he wins, you know, he's right there. He's right in, in line for a title shot. So uh those, those are my two that, while, while I love all the fights, those are my two that, you know, just off the top of my head, jump out to me.
0: Yeah. I, uh, you know, in in on the forums and stuff, I've stated that I'm not always a big fan of the 125 pound weight class, um, but if they're going to have it, I, I I find it a little disgraceful, to, honestly, that they have Benavides and Pettis on the uh, on the Facebook uh, or I'm uh, sorry the the Fight Pass prelim. Um, you know, if you're going to have 125 pound class, that's about as good a fight as you're going to get, and I feel like those guys have earned at least the opportunity to be in a in a more uh, in a better slot on the card. Um, so, you know, I think that's going to be a good fight. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not a huge fan of that weight class, but that's one of the fights that I, I'll, I'll be looking forward to. Um, what, uh, what was your opinion on them moving the Overeem blades fight a- in exchange for the Megan Anderson, uh, Holly Holm fight on the main card? Did you, do you see any issue with that? Or are you just kind of one of those people that don't really give a crap where they, where they fall on the, on the card?
2: Yeah. I, I, for me, I think it's kind of a wash. I just think it's kind of an odd move. Not, you know, I, I think both fights are important in their own divisions. I mean, this is the first non-title fight that the women's 145 pound division has had. Um, so I think they're both big fights. I I don't necessarily think it would have been outrageous to keep them where they were, uh, the fights. I I know that they, um, seem to always like to have a good Fox sports one headliner on the prelims. Uh, either one of those fights would have sufficed. Um, so yeah, for me, you know, I kind of shrug at it. I'm not too offended either way. I just think it was kind of an unusual move for them to have that lineup set and then say, "Oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna switch it with a fight that was on the prelims that we already knew about." You know, if, if they had, if this fight had just got announced or something and they threw it in there and things got switched, that would have been different. But kind of an unusual move. I I don't really have an opinion one way or another.
0: Yeah, I was I said it on the, a couple weeks ago on the show that I was surprised that they didn't move the Arlovski uh, Tuivasa fight to to. Uh the Fox sports card. Um, if they were going to move a heavyweight fight, it seems like you'd want to have the numbers next to the names, um, to help promote your, uh, your sales for the event. But, um, you know, while we're talking about this event, I might as well get your opinion on what you think of CM Punk being on the card. <laughs> um, I mean, as, as a fan, I, I have all respect to the guy for being willing to fight and everything. And I don't hold anything against him. I was watching sumo wrestlers fight, you know, midgets 20 years ago, but, um, <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know what your, uh, what your opinion is on, on him in general.
2: Yeah. I mean, the uh, first and foremost, I don't think he should be here. Um, but the, the, you know, with the fact that he is here, uh, I understand why they threw him on the main card. I, I feel like the, the issue isn't necess- that I have, isn't necessarily where he's placed on the card. I think the UFC would probably be stupid if he was on this card and he wasn't on, uh, you know, pay-per-view. I, I think he does add a significant amount of buys. Um, but at the same time, I think that the wrong was done a long time ago when they first signed him. Uh, you know, it, we we kind of moved. I always I always talked about how before the the sale happened um, and even now, I guess with with the history of the UFC, it's always been part sport and part entertainment. And it was always more sport, um, you know, or, or at least in the modern era, it was more sport. And now it seems like. They've kind of, since the sale happened, swung the pendulum over where it's, it's more entertainment. Some of the, the matchups, uh, you know, not, aren't necessarily based on merit. We've seen this and, you know, some of the fighter signings, things like that. CM Punk, obviously the biggest uh, example of that. So I, I don't think he should, should be on the roster. I don't have anything against the guy. I tip my cap to him for, for doing something that a lot of people wouldn't have the balls to do. And, uh, you know, not giving up on it. He's giving it a second shot. Good for him. At the same time, I think it does kind of cheapen things when, you know, Dana White's up at the podium. He says, "Well, let me know when Alistair Overeem buys more pay per views than CM Punk." Um, you know, you could say that about everything. You could they could bring in Justin Bieber to fight, and you would say that same thing. I just don't think it, <laughs> it makes it any better. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah, doesn't make it any more legit. So that's that's what kind of bothers me. But you know, the fact that he's here, not surprised. I was kind of expecting it from the start, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens uh, come Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I think the UFC dropped the ball honestly on not putting him on one of their Fox cards. You know, I maybe you're, they're trying to recoup money from the the pay that they're giving him, but it seems to me with the the struggle of the ratings on TV over the last couple of years that you know, you put a pro wrestler on there and all of a sudden you pick up that that pro wrestling crowd tunes in for a free event where they, you know, might not be willing to shell out $65. um I uh, you know, and I've talked to some people, or I've seen people post that are kind of in the know on ratings, and they've they've kind of been shocked by the same way of that they that they never did that. Seems like that would have been the moneymaker for them.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like uh I'm uh, obviously all the, the 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 card shuffling they did for this event was to get him on the pay per view portion so people could buy it, you know, um, and people are are pretty much that are buying it to see CM Punk, you know, to watch him get beat up again which is kind of messed up in itself. But uh, to, to uh, 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 tag on to what Nolan said, I mean, I agree with him. The, the entertainment side of it definitely changed since the ownership is uh, ranking seem to mean, le- mean less and less. And, um, you know, like that's why, that's why I think we're seeing more tournament format things come out, like things like the PFL and uh, the Belters doing their heavyweight tournament. Um, I just think uh, that there's, there's gotta be a better way now that now, now you have that, uh, uh, we were talking about it before uh, no one jumped in the the MMA pro league thing that's going to start this summer in Atlantic City with the new team New Jersey versus team Pennsylvania. I mean, now they're looking for new ways to do it because uh, if you have these rankings and you ignore them and and make stuff like this happen, um it's kind of disrespectful to all the guys that that bleed and sweat and and give up a lot of their time to to chase to chase the dream of of, of being a professional fighter.
0: Well, you bring up you bring up the Bellator tournament while well, we have you here, Nolan. Where how do you see that thing unfolding? You know, uh, Ed knows that I sleep in my sweater of absolute glorious victory, so uh, obviously I'm pulling for Fedor. But um, what what how do you see that thing uh, unfolding over the next uh, six months, I guess, or so?
2: Yeah, man. I, I think first and foremost, uh, the, the Bellator is going to be thrilled with the matchups that they got. Um, they were slightly improbable, I thought at times. There's some question, you know, with Fedor. Uh, I, I picked Mir. Um, you know, Fedor Chale is just like it's gonna be Scott Coker is gonna be drooling at that one. That's just a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a even fight, and it's a fight that um, you know, the Bellator couldn't have picked a matchup that would be more promotable. I don't think in in that tournament. Uh but you know, it's tough to say. I think my pick, honestly, at this point, would be Ryan Bader of of the whole tournament. I, I think uh, you know, he's he's been a, such a freak athlete you know, at, at 205 pounds. And for him to be able to, to keep that muscle on, um, you know, that, that, that finish at King Mo is so impressive. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. It's just, it's so weird, you know, picturing these matchups between guys that like Chael, who at one point fought at middleweight fighting Fedor and then light heavyweight Bader against Mitrion. It's, it's tough, but uh, I'm going to lean with Ryan Bader. I think I'm on board with him uh, winning this whole thing.
0: Yeah. I think if he beats, uh, if he's able to beat Mitrion, I think he serves kind of as a nightmare, uh, matchup for I think Fedor is going to beat Chael so I think that that would be a pretty uh you know that's probably the worst matchup in the in the whole tournament for for Fedor and um I I think actually the loss to Mitrion might be something that actually would help Fedor if they were to actually get a rematch um just because I I think especially after seeing uh Nelson work him on the ground a little bit and kind of take him into deep water um but yeah I, I pretty much fall into the same category who do you do you think Fedor beats Chael or do you think Chael uh is able to grind one out.
2: That's a tough one, man. I think I'm actually going to lean Fedor. you know, I'm obviously respect the legend. I, I uh, know what he's done for the sport and how good he once was, but there weren't many matchups looking at this on paper where I necessarily would have picked him. But I think that the Chael matchup, you know, is the, the one uh, on, on the, out of every matchup that he could have gotten, that would probably be most favorable towards him. Uh, I don't see Chael being able to really touch him up on the feet and, I think that's just Fedor's ultimate, uh, you know, undoing in the heavyweight division is every time he fights fights a power puncher, which ninety five percent of the heavyweight divisions are. That's when he seems to struggle. So I think that that's actually a favorable matchup to Fedor.
1: Yeah, me too. I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, it seems like uh, Chael has trouble with power, like Nolan said, and he actually complained about uh, how sore he was when he fought Rampage at the beginning of the tournament. So. And uh, everybody knows that Fedor obviously Fedor still hits as hard as uh, he's remembered to hit back in his Pride days with with uh, his most recent wins. So, um, but I also fa- I'm uh, I favor Ryan Bader now. I, I I thought King Mo could have at least have uh, uh, lasted a little longer in the fight with him, but obviously with that finish that Bader got, I'm all in on Bader now. So, um, did you say who you, who you like for this weekend at 2:25 with Romero and Whitaker Nolan?
2: I didn't. I'm. I'm gonna lean with Whitaker, but I'm one of those guys that, for some reason, whenever there's a rematch, I always think it's gonna play out the, the same way that the first fight did. Like I, I don't know. I have a bad habit of that. Um. So I'm. I'm leaning Whitaker just because I feel like. I don't know, man. That's such a tough. That's a tough fight to pick. Those. I, I love. I love it when the the, the top fight, the main event title fight when it's actually a true number one versus number two matchup. And I think that's what we have on our hands here. I don't know exactly who's number one and who's number two, but that's why we watch. I'm, I'm going to lean with Robert Whitaker, but just a great fight. Uh, I, love, I love when these type of fights, you know, unveil themselves.
0: It's his first fight back, too, since he fought Yoel last time. Um, didn't he have a, uh, a staff infection or something that held him out for a while, didn't he? I think it was yeah, his knee.
2: He tore up his knee. Uh, in the fight, I think with with uh, Romero, so that's a, that's another thing that's been in the back of my mind for picking Robert Whitaker is you, you know he fought he fought Yoel, he beat him, and he had a busted up knee that whole time. Um, it's, pre- it's pretty pretty crazy, man. Some of these athletes, what they do.
0: Yeah, I'm a uh, i am I-, I like watching Yoel fight. I think uh, Whitaker will probably be able to take another decision. I don't know if there's going to be a finish in this fight. If there is a finish, I think it'll actually probably be Yoel early in the fight where he'll to land something crazy um but i think it's going to be a hell of a fight what what about you ed
1: my concern is uh uh the same thing i mean with some as somebody that has a bad knee and i've known a lot of people that have knee surgeries that i train with and stuff i know sometimes depending on on uh i mean obviously he's probably had the best uh you know therapy and stuff to to get back to be clear to fight but you know in your mind you're always kind of concerned about oh is this thing going to pop again or is it going to get torn up again? Um, I think his mobility might not be the same, and uh, you know where you how you position your feet and plant your feet is how you how uh, you could deliver power and strikes. Um, I think that's going to play a factor, um, but you never know, man. That the, the cool thing about MMA and all combat sports is that everybody has a puncher's chance, even CM Punk. <laughs> you know, so you never know who who could win on uh uh on Saturday, but um I'm 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 I really can't pick a winner, but uh, I would like Yoel to win just because I think it'd be nice for him. Uh, me, as an old man, I don't mind seeing an old man win, so I uh, I'm kind of pull, pulling for I'm pulling as a fan. I'm pulling for Yoel to to win, but I can't really pick a winner. But um, what do
0: you what do you think in the Covington uh, RDA fight?
1: I like RDA in that man. I mean, um, Covington's getting a lot of you know exposure because he's talking a lot, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, I, I like RDA.
0: How about you, Nolan?
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with Ed on this one. I think RDA takes it. Uh, it's it's. I, I think Covington is very good, but I think RDA is that more complete fighter. Um, he's really peaking right now, which is it's kind of unusual to see a guy, um, you know, peak across two weight classes like he has. I, I think you know you know he could make uh he could make. You he could, he could be a problem for Tyron Woodley. I think. Uh, it's going to be a good fight. I, I wouldn't bet money on it either way, but I'm going to lean with RDA.
0: Yeah. I, I think in a three round fight, I would probably put money on Covington just because I think at that point he might be able to wrestle him down and, and grind out, you know, two out of the three rounds. But then you look at, you know, Maya was pretty successful standing up against him. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like RDA will probably hurt him, um, before the five rounds comes to an end and he's able to, uh, you know, I don't know if it's one where you know you kind of get the tired wrestler, and then RDA finishes in about the fourth or early fifth round. Is kind of kind of how I see them folding.
1: But um, uh, we're coming close to the end of the hour, so just really quick. I mean, uh, if if Nolan will give you some time to plug away for what you got coming up on all the outlets you work for uh, and where people can follow you, by all means, I know you got you got a long list compared to the rest of us. So go go right ahead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is the first time I've been on here and uh, hopefully it's not the last. So uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking to you guys again in the future, but to plug my, my stuff, you can find me on Twitter at MMA underscore Kings. Uh, You can see my work on MMA today. Um, The Twitter account for MMA today is at MMA today news. Going to be putting out a number of uh, profiles on the contender series fighters, Uh, I think I have for next week. I think I have out of the 10 fighters, I believe I talked to six or seven of them. So look for those to come out. And uh, I'm also doing some stuff with flow combat, some prospect stuff, some uh, top five prospect lists, things like that. So uh, a bunch of good stuff coming there. MMA Brazil, I'll be doing some uh, more live event coverage for them in the future. And then I just jumped on board with uh, the guys over at Tapology. a bunch of great, great guys over there. So I'll be working uh, on their live event coverage on their site and then also uh, in their you know entering helping out with their data entry things like that uh to make to make it a even better uh, database than it is right now.
0: Awesome. Over. I am you know I don't want to jump into too many more questions but we skimmed over the Bellator tournament. I was kind of surprised they didn't have any uh information at UFC 2 or um, Bellator 200 event. Have you heard anything real quick about uh about their semifinals?
2: Um no, I haven't actually. You know, I I I'm kind of surprised at that as well. I know that Uh, Ed will probably be interested in this, but I know that they're coming back to the Mohegan Sun. uh, Probably somebody told me early fall, so I'm not sure. Usually they seem to give us kind of bigger fights out here uh, when they when they come to Mohegan. So that might be one of them. Um, But yeah, man, I haven't heard anything uh, too concrete about it. But it looks like probably it'll end up being in the fall.
0: Cool. Yeah, no, I just felt like I had to ask you if anybody would know it'd be you. And I was surprised they didn't have any kind of big announcement and, you know. At 200, I kind of expected them to, to at least have some face-offs and let people know what was happening. So, cool, man. Well, thanks for joining us. It was a, it was a pleasure to meet you. And um, as usual, any other fans can listen to us or uh, see us on Twitter at Combat Hour, uh, myself at MMA Hawk 21 on Twitter and Instagram, and Ed can be followed at Carbazal on Twitter. Um, thanks for joining us, Nolan. It was a pleasure to have you. Anytime, Ed. guys. Anytime. Peace, everybody. See ya.